breaking my back. My ass hurts so much. I had, um... Been shitting a lot, huh? Been shitting a lot since last week's episode. Um, a lot of laxatives. A lot I've of episodes been, coming out. Been shitting a healthy amount. But <laughs> on Saturday... Yeah. <laughs> on Saturday, I did... Um, I had kickboxing... And then I came home. No, I have kind of (laughs) worried about that sometimes. Like, that's a constant fear of mine. I'm like, what if I shit myself? Like, what if I kicked so hard or did something that so hard that I shit myself? Or like, you're lifting weights. Like, you could totally shit yourself lifting weight. Anyways, that's not what happened. What I was going to say is (laughs) we did kickboxing. It was lower body. Then I came home. Then I got drunk. Then I decided to do a ton of squats like an un- while you were drunk yes yeah you need better people to hang out with while you're i was drunk. literally just by myself with my cats and i was like i'm gonna do some squats and so i was drunk as fuck doing squats and i was like i'm gonna keep going till it hurts and then the next morning i woke up and i was like oh my butt like what did i do i was like fuck i did a ton of squats like i don't want to look back at my fucking security cameras <laughs> if you ever lose time you can just be like oh was that <laughs> what did i do last night it's just a ton of drunk squats you should post a video of it um, I don't know about that. And then the next day, <laughs> I beat it up, up and put the Benny Hill mu- music to it. <laughs> Not only did I feel like ass because I was hungover, and you I had also squatting. done a ton of squats. And then I looked at my calendar and I had signed up for another kickboxing class that morning. So I had to go back. <laughs> it was terrible. I felt like I was going to die. Oh my God. Yeah, I know. Oh, I'm a fucking awesome. idiot. So that was like two days ago. Well, I guess that was one day ago. <laughs> Damn. And my What's ass today? still hurts. Monday. Of course, it's going to hurt for like the whole week now, and I have to go back to kickboxing tomorrow. Fucking sucks. All right. Anyways. No pain, no gain. Yeah. But gain. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, this is a suggestion today. Oh, sorry. Did I cut you off? Go no, because I wasn't started. speaking. <laughs> speaking of bodies. What are you looking at me for? Do the intro. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Death by Music Podcast. I am Jake, here with Cassie and Alex, and another mini-episode, Stand By Me, Inside the World of Rock and Roll Bodyguards, by Jeffrey Reznor. Yes, so that's why I said, speaking of bodies, um, today, we're talking about bodyguards. I need one to make sure I don't do squats at 11 p.m. I think this one was a suggestion from Kathleen who called me up and mentioned it and then I forgot about it and then she put it in the the Facebook group Ah. for the mini episode suggestions. That Um, way you can't ignore her. Yeah. (laughs) Well, she was curious about (laughs) what... When did the whole bodyguard thing start? When did musicians and celebrities start needing bodyguards? Because it hasn't always been a thing. So I found this article, which was really fucking long, um, from Rolling Stone. And I kind of trimmed it down to make it two pages instead of like six. Um, Makes sense. Yeah, because they had a lot of different stories from different rock and roll bodyguards. But I just pulled some of the more interesting ones and get um, down to the meat and potatoes. Yeah, the meat and potatoes. potatoes. And um, yeah, it kind of goes into a little bit of the history or when certain people started needing bodyguards and why. So um, yeah, I think Cassie's going to read this one. Meeting. So as a member of Michael Jackson's elite bodyguard corps, um, Anthony A. D. Davis thought he had seen it all. The fans who sneaked into hotels, the uncontrollable morons who wreaked havoc at concerts. 
the royal families who wanted to rub elbows with the singer. But nothing prepared A.D. for that day in Sydney, Australia, when Jackson and his guardians found themselves facing hostile aborigines. Visiting a daycare center in... Why why is Michael Jackson visiting a daycare? Um, <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Ooh, okay, that Glad one. you caught that one. Um, visiting a daycare center in Sydney's notorious Redfern slum during his bad tour. Yeah, I'd say that's mm. bad. Jackson was playing with a group of young children. Oh my gosh! <laughs> when a crowd began gathering on the street. Composed largely of a couple hundred curiosity seekers at first, it soon mushroomed into a mob of 2,000 surrounding oh the eight-man bodyguard team and Jackson's four vans. Probably just trying to make sure he wasn't going to sumo kids. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that is, like, the most reasonable thing, I would imagine. Okay. So the crowd grew increasingly unruly, screaming obscenities and ripping radio antennas and windshield wipers off the vans. One old woman demanded money from Davis and then punched him in the chest. Bye. <laughs> okay. okay. The van drivers were petrified and refused to come out and help. And even the police, who considered the area dangerous, wouldn't provide assistance. Hmm. For Jackson, whose every public appearance is perfectly choreographed, <laughs> it was a catastrophe. <laughs> <laughs> lovely addition um but he was eventually escorted safely from the school building and avoided injury in the melee melee okay melee <laughs> me the um it was <laughs> <laughs> it was a savage situation says ad who doesn't look like a guy that anyone, especially an old lady, could knock over easily. But she punched him in the chest and he got winded. <laughs> a formal college football player who stands six feet two and weighs 250. Um, AD entered the bodyguard trade after a knee injury scotched his pro ball ambitions. Better than a head injury. Started out as a nightclub doorman and doing occasional concert security work in Los Angeles to support himself during school. He went into the rock and roll protection business. <laughs> rock and roll protection program. <laughs> like the witness protection <laughs> um yeah he went into the rock and roll protection business full-time about a decade ago as this was written i guess and since shielded billy idol van halen morris day in addition to jackson this must be a pretty old article yeah <laughs> must be yeah, like 30 I, years I old so. <laughs> <laughs> although he seems strong enough to bend a crowbar with his teeth Ew. and he bench presses 310 pounds <laughs> Easy. AD rarely rarely uses brute strength to settle altercations. It hurts to fight, he says, claiming the best defense is nonviolent offense. It hurts to hit and it hurts to get hit. So it's best you basically bullshit your way through it. I've had success just telling people I'll kick their ass if they do something wrong. I tell people that all the time. <laughs> do you? I tell Dan. I'll mostly. kick your ass. I was just say I'll kick you in the balls. She did <laughs> say that earlier today. <laughs> <laughs> he turned around. He thought she would do it. No, I would never. Um, only 29 years old, AD represents the new generation of Rock's guardian angels. Far removed from the days when security meant skinny theater ushers, retired cops, or the Hells Angels. Yeah. Whoop, whoop. Forgot about them. Yeah. They're yeah, like, they they were like one of the earliest uh, security. Yeah. yeah. They would do concert security, security for like yeah. the Stones and stuff. Yep. Many performers, including the boss himself, Bruce Springsteen, Mick Jagger, and Sting, rarely, if ever, use bodyguards when they're not attending events like concerts or charity dinners. But others view security as a necessary evil, and that has transformed bodybuild or bodybuilding. <laughs> that has transformed bodyguarding, like everything else in the staging of concerts, into a big business requiring professionals. 
Although there are groups that still insist upon using friends to maintain order at concerts, using amateurs has become increasingly dangerous as the logistics of mounting shows become more and more complex. Run DMC, for example, held a f- or had a friend helping out as a bodyguard who was convicted in 1988 for killing a concertgoer trying to crash backstage. Garfield mm-hmm. Brown, sentenced to four years in prison for inv- involuntary manslaughter, was found guilty of throwing 21-year-old fan Alex Baldwin... It's not me. <laughs> no. Like, I'm alive. Um, the Baldwin guy. What? Alec Baldwin. Alec. Uh, <laughs> this is Alec. Yeah. <laughs> no, so, he shot uh, somebody. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he threw the 21-year-old fan to the floor, kicking him during a fight in, at a 1986 Fresno, California show. Baldwin died of head injuries two weeks later. So that would be an interesting one to cover. Yeah, That's would. one I hadn't heard about. Brown wasn't a bodyguard. He was a knucklehead, says one member of Run DMC's touring staff, who describes the band Protector as a bunch of friends from back home who come on tour. Some, Yeah, I guess it gives them, like, if you're not professional, like a security guard, it just gives you free reign to beat people up and be a dick. Mm-hmm. Um, well, with bodyguards, too, there's got to be some type of insurance. Yeah with that profession if you have been certified in something i'm sure like you would have to have basic training training like they've got to have even something. just general cpr yeah i think it kind of gets into um it, i don't remember if i cut it out or not okay. but there was there was somebody who created a bodyguard business and i would think that they would have job training when they hire people so yeah. that they're not held liable but what's the standard i don't know cool i don't know they probably have like de-escalation and you know, basic crowd t- control, takedowns and tasers. Yeah. <laughs> no. um, How not to kill people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't kick them in the head. Mm-hmm. God damn. Um, some bodyguards are also required to pimp for their bosses, fetching females ugh, for their band's post-concert hijinks. With Van Halen, no surprise, Roth devised a special onstage code so he could signal to his boys exactly which women in the audience should be offered backstage passes. David Gross. Lee Roth. Most guards claimed they resist joining in, saying that it would have to stay alert on the job. Um, I'm sure Gene Simmons did that, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure a lot of yeah. the rock stars did mm-hmm. in the 80s. According to bodyguard Doug Goldstein, that Stones tour was a son of a bitch. In 19, This is a different from topic. 1981. So. Um, he recalls one girl who stuck a metal hook through his shoulder leading him to grab her head and twist in a kind of exorcist position until the police arrested her. He said, Wilman, well, Wilman, women will fuck with you. If you're trying to throw their boyfriend out, they'll bite you in the back. Shit like that goes on all the time. Bender, who has also worked with the Who, the Eagles, and Judas Priest, agrees with Goldstein. One of his worst experiences took place when a woman sank her teeth into his arm during a Tom Petty concert in Philadelphia. Tom Petty, I just don't understand. Like, I feel like Tom Petty plays kind of like mellow tunes, and for someone to do it like, gets I'm gonna bite you. Up. Uh, yeah, Demi Upler. They get psycho. Yeah. Um, she's like, I'm gonna stand my ground. <laughs> <laughs> but it was at the end of a set. He says, and some chick, not a big crazy mama, okay, but a regular looking twenty year old, jumped on stage and was hanging on Tom's neck. I went to grab her kind of gently and she wouldn't let go. So I pulled her and she bit me. She latched on so hard I could feel Ugh. tendons separating. My arm was black and blue from my wrist to my elbow for about two weeks. Damn. 
gross bender i I would not want to put a bodyguard's arm in my mouth you know no especially because other people have been touching him all night uh bender who also got sulfuric acid thrown in his face at a 1975 stone show downplays the rough and tumble aspects of bodyguarding and explains that most of his work is really about logistics arranging smooth entrances and departures at public events that's why taylor swift would go in and out of her building in a suitcase yeah that's fucking wild um and there was also another thing with the harry styles tour he was getting rolled under the stage in like a um, Uh, like an instrument case yeah so that you couldn't see him coming into where he was because everyone was just going to start yeah, going nuts for the pop stars really like it yeah. is dangerous like is i feel like their dangerous. fans are nuts and yeah. like the way that they idolize them it would be it would be cool to be in a genre where you don't have to be as scared of your fans yeah metal um, yeah i feel well, like except metal, for that one time where what one time where Dimebag got shot yeah Though I do feel like there is... You do is, have some deranged people. Uh, yeah. it, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, That one didn't work out. I don't know. I feel like most... Because Taylor Swift was like the first thing I can recall that had... You know, she was going in and out of her apartment in that suitcase. But it's like, I feel like most of her fans are pretty tame. But I guess a lot of them mm. do know where she lives. And there, I, I would not say they're tame. There's a lot of crazy people out there. There are people who are obsessed with her. There are the crazy, like, fangirls and uh, fanboys. Yeah. I mean... I'm going to get it, but uh, poor thing. Yeah, and even if you are a band that is pretty open with your family, it's like Trivium. They are always meeting their fans, and they're very like down-to-earth people, but I feel like even they still have to worry a little bit because when you make yourself that accessible, you never know who's going to come up. Like People they're, are fucking crazy. They're going to have somebody standing by if they're doing that stuff. Yeah. They're not going to be by themselves. Yeah. So there's a big difference between overzealous fans who might want to hug their favorite rock star and truly six pe- six people, <laughs> truly <laughs> just sick- six of them, <laughs> truly sick people who believe the star should die for not returning their love. Yeah, hate mail and death threats are treated severe. Or, oh my god, I'm going to do that whole sentence again. I can't. Um, there's a big difference between overzealous fans who want to hug their favorite rock star and truly sick people who believe their rock star should die for not returning the love. Hate mail and death threats are all treated seriously and bodyguards usually turn over such material to local police and the FBI immediately. Um, a one private security expert who specializes in dangerous liaisons between mentally ill fans and their superstar targets is Gavin DeBecker. He writes a bunch of psychology books. I know that name. Okay. So DeBecker has broken down disturbed fans into approximately a dozen classifications. He said there's special powers. The fan believes he's directed by God Religious obsession, the fan believes he is God. Science fiction, the fan believes aliens have landed. Well, yeah. Um, Debt owed, the fan believes believes he wrote a hit song and deserves the royalties. That was the guy who killed Dimebag. Yeah. And out of control or outcon, the fan believes his moments are directed by a radio transmitter implanted in his brain. A.K.A. Wow. Schizo. Yeah. Perhaps, Those are all serious, uh, yeah, different types mental of mental like, issues going on. Yeah. yeah. But you still loading them and heating them up with all your single shit you've been dropping. You feel me? Loading them up on it. It only takes structure, and and you know just paying attention to the climate of the game. Yeah. Know what I mean. So do. 
do your homies uh got a role in your in your little you mean? Yeah, yeah, we all we all artists over here, man. I'm trying. Oh, yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying to get them on there. Yeah, look, 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 look. We all artists, man. We go. You feel me? We gonna have this like. Bro, me and my man, like me and my man Kyle, we be like, I don't know, we play, we play with this <laughs> shit. Right now. This I gotta lie, we play with this shit right now for for. Oh, I don't, don't play with it. Play with it. No. Take that shit serious. So perhaps DeBecker's most famous case involved a severe psychotic from Louisiana who was enamored of Olivia Newton-John's performance in the film Xanadu. After a year of writing her, the man escaped from a mental hospital and traveled fifteen hundred miles to visit the singer in Malibu. But his his efforts were stymied, 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 stymied. Stimmied. I don't know. He didn't do Foil, it. Say foiled. He was foiled by Xanadu. Um, <laughs> the disturbed young man later killed his parents and three other relatives and was apprehended in Washington D.C., where he was believed to be plotting the murder of Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor. Okay, that's a big stretch from Olivia Newton-John. He's just Sandra Day O'Connor. Olivia Newton. She had three, 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 three names. syllables in her name. Cassie, <laughs> you have cracked the code. That's it. He's just mad at people with three names. Um, whether they view themselves as highly trained professionals or glorified babysitters, bodyguards find that they have an undeni- undeniable passion for the excitement of rock and roll, and it just doesn't exist for them in other jobs. Hmm. Yeah. Huh. So that was interesting. I guess I did cut out the part. There was one of the guys who was quoted in there um, started his own. I don't want to call it a school, but it's like his own bodyguard business where he manages like a a staff of however many and puts them out on gigs, I guess. Um, Yeah. So Hmm. that's wasn't there somebody recently who had was it Taylor Swift who had that fan break into her house, into her apartment or something? Maybe. I thought that happened like like a couple months ago. They found some dude who'd been stalking her like in her apartment or something. It was longer than that. Yeah. Um, It was a couple months ago. Crazy. Yeah. At that point, I just want the bodyguard like all times. You could just be there at all times. Yeah. That's a pretty extreme case of what we were just talking about. Fans were uh, 2018. Yeah, I knew it was a couple Can years I ago. Can I read this one? Sure. Okay, this is from the independent.co.uk. So it says Taylor Swift fan breaks into singer's New York townhouse. This is from 2018. It says this is the third incident the singer has dealt with this. Oh, no, no, no. Ignore that. That's not it. Okay. So New York police have issued a statement saying a stalker broke into Taylor Swift's townhouse and took a nap. <laughs> well, uh, TMZ it. said the man now in, identified as Roger Alvarado allegedly climbed up, climbed up a ladder, smashed a window with his hand to gain entry. Police were notified after the 22-year-old was seen climbing the building but were unable to reach the scene before Alvarado took a shower and then had a nap. Ew. The Associated <laughs> Press have since confirmed police found the man asleep in Taylor Swift's home. Alvarado, who comes from Florida, was arrested on charges of stalking, burglary, criminal mischief, and trespassing. He was previously arrested at the same address earlier this year and charged with breaking the front door down with a oh shovel. Oh, my God. Swift was not at the home um, at the time on either occasion. The incident arcs the third time... This month, someone has tried to reach her. Jeez. Mm-hmm. That's going to be terrifying being her. Yeah. The first happened in early April when a homeless man was arrested for scaling Swift's Beverly Hills house. The second took place April 14th when a man wearing a mask and rubber gloves uh, was taken into custody custody and told the police he had driven from his home in Broomfield, Colorado to see Swift. 
A search of his car turned up a knife, rope, ammunition, and more masks and gloves. Oh my god! <gasps> I would never. I wouldn't even have I a would house move. at that point. You would sell. My I wouldn't house. move. Yeah. I would just not have a house. I would never let people know where I but was. The homeless just... guy was going to get her too. So you're just going. Yeah. Well, because I mean, I feel like as soon as you buy a house, it's it's on some sort of public records. People are going to find out where you live. So if you just kind of fucking bounce around or like live in a foreign country or where people aren't so fucking crazy. You you get somebody like a confidant to buy the house and you give them all the money. True. So it's mm-hmm. under their name. Yeah. And then no one will know. Yeah, that's that's terrifying to have three separate dudes that were like stalking you at the same it was it one month? Yeah. Fuck that. The same month. Well, I'm sure there's more than that. They're just the only uh-huh. ones that got caught. Yeah. Yeah. So imagine like being a pop star has just gotta be insane. Yeah. Um and like I was gonna say earlier, we had a Probably one of the most more ultimate stories of uh, crazy fans would be Selena. Mm-hmm. She literally yeah. got killed by quote her biggest her fan, biggest fan, yeah. And that chick and that was, was also such her a manager. Huge, yeah, she was such a huge fan. She inserted herself into the management team of Selena. Mm-hmm. And people that went to her house said she had like pictures. She like, had a it's like the movie stuff where you see they walk in, there's just pictures of Selena everywhere. Yeah. Like crazy shrine level. Yeah. But now she has an excuse to cover up like, oh, no, I just work for her. So like, that's why I have all this stuff, because this is my job. Like, no, you're a fucking nut. <laughs> yeah. And her lack of, I guess, real emotion. I, I, I watched a thing where a doctor analyzed her interview after like her killing mental her. mental state or whatever. Yeah, well, yeah. He just, he just watched the video and he's like, yeah, she's got something going on. Well, hindsight. The way she was react. <laughs> well, just the way she was reacting to things. Lack of emotion, stuff like that, as far as her killing Selena. Mm-hmm. You know, he was like, yeah, she's definitely got something going on upstairs. We will be covering um, another crazed fan in season four. Um, that's going to be Mark David Chapman and John Lennon. That's we're planning on that being the uh, final episode of season four, which at this point, let's see. What is today? The 10th? Yeah. So season four should be starting on the 26th. And I think we're going to have multiple two-parters for that one. But we do want to wrap it up with John Lennon, which, again, that's that's probably going to be one of the two-parters. We're starting it off with Mayhem. Um, if you guys know about the Norwegian black metal murders, there's so much crazy shit going on there. So we are going to talk about that for episodes one and two of season four. Um, the next two weeks, we are going to be releasing... Parts one and two for Kurt Cobain from our 27 Club season. So if you are a Patreon subscriber, you probably have already listened to this episode. We want to give everybody else a chance to see what we've got with the 27 Club season. Um, There are 12 full episodes up on Patreon and it's only $5 a month. So if you want some stuff to listen to, go subscribe. Uh, We're just going to be putting out Kurt Cobain to entice you and hopefully it works. Um, Yeah. And we got to figure out some shit to do for our Patreon people now that the 27 Club season is over. So um, Jake is starting an OnlyFans account. Um, He's only going to wear the bag. It's going to be called Only Bags. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then you probably should get on our Facebook page because we we reference Jake's bag a lot, but I don't know uh, if everybody everybody knows what that is. Like if you were only wearing the bag, (laughs) you could just put the bag over 
Yeah. Well, <laughs> he prefers the term sack, he said. So sack when we, when over we the head. To Jake's sack. Sack over the head. If you don't know what we're talking about, go find our Facebook group, which is Death by Podcast, Death by Music Podcast fans. Um, we've also got our page up there. So make sure you're following us on social media. We appreciate all the new followers. Share us with your friends and family. That would be sick if you know music lovers. Uh, we are trying to grow. We would like to eventually be able to make money off of this one day, but we're finally hitting some like big milestones for us. So we appreciate you guys listening. Y'all have anything to say? There's a hair on your leg. You should see my legs without these leggings on. <laughs> Actually, yeah, <probably> you shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's winter. We have to stay warm. I'm growing out my winter coat. Or well, we might be potentially making a new studio. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll figure out some shit for the Patreon people. We appreciate you guys subscribing and sticking with us through that and supporting us there because that's like the only source of income that we have. And uh, if you guys want t-shirts, like we haven't talked about t-shirts in a while. We have a bunch. We have a whole bunch of sizes available. I believe small through double XL still available. So if you want one, send us a message on social media. We'll, um, you can like Venmo us or whatever. It's bugging. It's chill, bruh. All right. Uh, rest in peace. Bye. Later. Music by Demons at Demons Band on Instagram. Artwork by Mike Johnson. Writing and production by Cassie Gardner, Alex Motler, and Jake.